Please be seated. A warm welcome again to St. Paul's. We're just so delighted to have you here in person and those of you who are joining us online, especially if it's your first time, we're thrilled you're here. The American gangster John Gotti once said, if you think your boss is stupid, remember, you wouldn't have a job if he was any smarter. When you have, whether you have your first real job out of school or you're newly retired, we've all had bosses. And right now, at the beginning of another lockdown, work in all its manifestations is right here for most of us. Whether we've lost our job due to the pandemic or your job is now teetering on the impossible because your kids are doing online learning or your business is booming because of the pandemic. Work is central to every single one of our lives. And we're starting a new preaching series today called The Story of Everything, where we will be tracking along, looking at 100 of the most important passages in the Bible, the record of how God has acted in history. Because the past behavior of God is the best indicator of God's future behavior. And whether we are new and asking questions or we're already a disciple of Christ, how are we part of the story of everything? And what does that mean for our daily lives? And today we start right at the beginning. Susan read for us from the book of Genesis. And we see that at the foundation of the world, there was work, the jobs we have, the jobs we want to have, the jobs we used to have. Who wants to hear a sermon about work? That'll pack them in. But it's super relevant because the temperature on work continues to get turned up in this, our global city. Many of the members of St. Paul's are immigrants who came to Toronto to work. And even before the pandemic, because of email and social media, the healthy rhythms of work and rest were getting blown out of the water. And the repeated lockdowns of the past two years have now blurred the boundary between home and office. And so this opening section from the book of Genesis teaches us something incredibly relevant about the rhythms of a fulfilling life, what work and rest actually means. It's going to be practical dynamite for us. So let's get stuck in. Now, right off the bat, I want to address the issue of the historicity of this section of Genesis as the opening book of the Bible. The Bible itself is a library compiled of 66 books full of different types of literature some biography, some history, some poetry, erotic and otherwise, letters and so on. And even within one book, like Genesis, you can have different types of writing. And these opening chapters of Genesis are not trying to present scientific truth. Rather, they are putting forward theological truth, truth about who God is, why God created us, what's the purpose of human life. And the original Hebrew of this text is actually poetry, 
while later on in Genesis, the writing style and content clearly changes, putting forward a historical record. Now, these foundational few chapters unpack for us aspects of human existence that we've been plagued with forever. Violence, jealousy, sex, purpose, meaning. And right here in the creation narrative, we see two things. One, since we're created in God's image, which is a mind-blowing concept to begin with, work is at the center of what it means to be human. And two, the secret to working in a life-giving way is entering into the deep rest that only God can give. So first, why is work foundational to being human? Genesis 2, 2 to 3. On the seventh day, God finished the work that God had done, and God rested on the seventh day from all the work that God had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that God had done in creation. Now, we were told a few verses earlier that after God had created the skies and the seas and the plant life and animals, that humanity was created in God's image, that we are like God in some fundamental ways. And one of the ways that we are like God is in needing to work because God works. And it's actually a revolutionary concept. In ancient Eastern accounts of creation, uh, such as the Enuma Elish, our youngest is studying Mesopotamia in her history class, which is why I'm suddenly aware of this creation myth. Humans are created by the god Marduk to do the work needed on earth because the gods are wiped after all their battles and they don't want to have to lift a finger again to work. And then in the West, the Greeks have Pandora's box, where Pandora opens the box that Zeus gave her, and everything terrible in this world comes out. Disease, death, decay, and work. And so in both the Eastern and the Western creation myths, work is bad. William Paley, an 18th century English thinker, popularized what's called the watchmaker theory, that the world is clearly designed like an intricate watch, and that God must have been the watchmaker. A design implies a designer, sure. But then Paley goes on to say that God built and wound up the watch. That was the work. But then the watch runs itself, and God is no longer active and working in this world. That is not what the Bible teaches. In Genesis, we read of a God who works, and that what God accomplishes is good. In fact, it is very good. Top marks on the 360 evaluation, God. This is incredible. Right here in paradise, alongside the beauty of waterfalls, starlit skies, friendships, sexuality, food and drink, is work. All kinds of work are undertaken by God here. What's often considered menial work, 
manual labor, farming. We're told God plants a garden. Uh, forming and strengthening relationships, raising children, therapists, lawyers. Uh, construction and growing society, engineering, finance, politics, you name it. It can all be seen in this passage. This is an incredibly high view of work. And we're going to be reading about the continual work of God in the world in the E100. Now, different cultures at different times have valued different types of work. And this has led to uh, social unrest and some violence. Think about how in the 1960s in China, with the Cultural Revolution, uh, teachers and intellectuals were murdered and manual labor was held up as the ideal. And now in our late capitalist society, culture, if you're well-educated and you work in tech, you're highly rewarded. Versus, for example, if you work in a long-term care home. Yet here in Genesis, we're told that all work has dignity and purpose because God works. And we're made in God's image to work, which is why unemployment is so dehumanizing and painful. Why do we work? Because God does, and we're made in God's image. Not loving your current job? Different issue. We'll look at that in a minute. But do not doubt that your job, whatever it is, has worth and has dignity. Now, I am aware that I actually have the best job in the whole world. Like, I actually get paid money to tell people about Jesus and the purpose and meaning that he brings. I mean, it's amazing. And I realize that many of you are deeply struggling uh, in your job or from the fact that you don't have one right now. So as to not come across as totally out of touch, how could our work be life-giving? How could it be meaningful? Well, the key to that meaningful work that Genesis gives us is not salary, it's not status, but rather it's in that rhythm of work and most especially in rest. God rested from all the work that God had done. And by rest, I'm not just talking here about having, you know, paid sick days or time off each week, that's called Sabbath, although those are certainly needed. But there is a deeper understanding of rest here. In the second floor of the library of the Bible, the New Testament, the Old Testament is the first floor, we have the letter to the Hebrews. And look at this, it's chapter 4. So then, a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors, as God did from his. Now, this isn't just talking about turning off your cell phone notifications one day a week. As I said, it's about something much deeper, resting from what has been called the work under the work. None of us are working just to put food on the table. We're also working to give ourselves meaning and identity and purpose 
And the problem is our jobs can never really give us that. What happens when you retire? We need to rest in something much deeper. I spent a season of my childhood growing up in Pakistan in the Northwest frontier. And my parents were medical missionaries with the Church of England. And they worked in hospitals in the Himalaya mountains, which are now sadly all Taliban controlled. And knowing, of course, with historical hindsight, that all missionary endeavors were mixtures of the sacred and the profane, I've still always been entranced with stories about missionaries. Here's one for you. Alan Gardner, 1851. After many years of serving in Africa, he was on his way to South America to start a new mission. This is a, a, a true story. And he was shipwrecked on a very small island off the coast of Chile. He and his four companions tried their very best to stay alive until somebody came to find them, but nobody did. Finally, he died. Far away from everybody, far away from his loved ones, he was the last one to die. Dying of thirst, dying of hunger, all by himself on a tiny island. I mean, that's actually a terrible way to go. And when his body was finally discovered years later by subsequent adventurers, they found next to his body his journal. And they opened it. And they saw on the very last page that he had written out Psalm 34, verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Right underneath it, the last words Gardner penned were, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. What? Like, how do you write that? Overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God? Wasn't he afraid? Exhausted? Angry? Despite all his work and his travels, he had rested in the one thing that could not be taken away from him, the work of God, the God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Deborah and Rahab, Paul and Lydia, who we're going to read about in the E100. Gardner had rested in the work that God had accomplished in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Carl Truman, in his recent book, the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, a good Christmas present from Tim Anderson, writes about how one of the consequences of living now in a secular age is that we're forced to create meaning for ourselves from within our own psyches. And because, of course, there is ultimately no way to escape our tortured selves, our search for meaning and purpose is now always going to be fraught. But God offers us something different. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There can be rest from our relentless searching for meaning and approval, for hope and purpose, that our employment, while dignified by the work of God, 
can still not give us. We need to be overwhelmed with the goodness of God because God created us and said that it was good. That's the approval that we seek because as Jesus died on the cross, he took all the consequences of our brokenness and sin so we don't need to labor under guilt and anxiety. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we know that nothing can ultimately defeat us and we can have security and hope. The work under all our work, whether we're a baker or a banker, it's looking for all of that, approval, security, hope. And we can only find that in the work of God that was begun at creation that we read about this morning and will be completed, finished, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This rest of God, resting in the work that God has done for us through Christ. It is practical dynamite because it lets our work just be our work, an outpouring of our skills and talents to meet the needs of the world, all good and dignified by God, but our jobs don't need to be the places where we get our ultimate validation and hope so that we can work hard simply for the pleasure of using our skills, not to get a gold star from that not-so-smart boss. We then won't be crushed in our retirements, and we can have a glimmer of hope in the midst of unemployment, because we know that we were created and are loved, adored by God. Do start the E100 with the rest of the St. Paul's community. It begins tomorrow. You can download the reading sheet from our website. And we're going to immerse ourselves in how God has acted in history and can be counted on to act today and tomorrow in your life and in mine. Together, at the beginning of this new year, in the midst of a lockdown, the deep rest of God is still offered to us. Thanks be to God. Amen.